And welcome to This Week in the Bear Cave. I'm your host, Dennis Zarrell, and this week we are sponsored by Abode Real Estate, your professional real estate advisors in Colorado Springs and Teller County, the historic Butte Theater in Cripple Creek, Colorado, bringing you the best productions in the United States, and Peak Washing LLC, the pressure washing professionals for that dirty job. Well, today we have a great lineup for you. I'm really excited about it because we have Tammy Lowell coming into the Bear Cave for the Oyate Herbal Talk today. And uh, I've really enjoyed talking with Tammy and learning a lot from her in the last uh, few weeks. But as an added bonus, we also have chef and nutritional consultant from Animus Wellbeing, Christy Link, joining us for the segment as well. So in celebration of Women's History Month, the ladies are kind of taking over the studio today, and that's just fine by me. So that should be a very interesting and informative segment. Now, next week, we have our friend Mark Gregory coming into the Bear Cave. And as we mentioned before, Mark is the new owner of Maudie's Emporium in Cripple Creek. So that's going to be a great time catching up with him as well. Then on March 21st, Woodland Park City Council member Frank Connors is back in the Bear Cave. And recently, Frank had some major shoulder surgery and is packing around some new hardware. But uh, we want to wish him a full and speedy recovery and look forward to seeing him in the Bear Cave soon. And at the end of the month on the 28th of March is a show that we've been working on for quite some time. And that's our roundtable discussion with Teller County Assessor Carol Kettleson and our title sponsor from Abode Real Estate, Josh Dorsey. They'll both be coming into the Bear Cave. And we'll be discussing issues that affect all of us, not only here in Teller County and Colorado Springs, but Colorado in general. So really looking forward to that show. So that's what's coming up in the short term here in the Bear Cave. Well, I certainly hope that everybody is having a great week so far. For me, it's been kind of a frustrating week with all the crazy events that are occurring around the world and uh, also here in Teller County at the moment. And it's kind of made me take a step back and really take a look at life in general. Every now and then I, uh, I actually go back and reflect on things, right? Seems that these days we are all so concerned about meaningless things instead of coming together as a human race and working together for the betterment of everyone who shares this rock that's floating around in outer space. And I'm talking about the world leaders. I'm talking about elected officials and dictators all the way down to the state and local levels. It seems like we're more hell-bent on tearing each other apart because of collective ego than we are working together to find a common solution for life situations. You know, and I learned a long time ago from one of my teachers that there are no problems but only life situations. And when I look at it that way, it just doesn't seem like every day's problems are so important, right? I mean, everybody has situations that we face each and every day, but yeah, we start to blow it apart and my problem is bigger than your problem kind of thing. And that really needs to stop as a human race, but... Anyway, one thing that is really chapping my backside, as usual, is the Sniffy Joe administration. The only thing he has proved so far is that he is the best president that Ukraine has ever had. Meanwhile, our borders are liquid, and now American citizens are being murdered with regularity in Mexico by terrorist drug cartels who a lot of times have the alpha waves of a carrot. 
which kind of fits right in with our current administration, both nationally and at the state level, which are just a bunch of, I don't know, talking vegetables. More about that in just a second. I am sure by now that everybody knows about the latest terrorist attacks by drug cartels, which occurred last week at the border crossing in Brownsville, Texas, as four U.S. citizens were traveling by vehicle into Mexico for a medical procedure to be conducted in Matamoros, Mexico. And Matamoros is one of those cities in Mexico that's been placed on the do not travel list. Yet, you know, American citizens decided to cross the border anyway. And Matamoros is a well-known destination for medical tourism. That seems like it's becoming more and more of a thing these days. And that is where they were ambushed, these four U.S. citizens. They were ambushed, shot, kidnapped by these terrorist scumbags. And as a result, two of our citizens were murdered, which is often the case. The cartels mistakenly thought that these U.S. citizens were Haitian drug smugglers because there's a lot of Haitians that have been crossing over into the border. I've seen literally hundreds of Haitian people in some of the border crossing towns like Tijuana trying to get into the United States. They're everywhere. But this is how stupid and ignorant these low-level narco-terrorists are. They just don't care. And it's a shoot-first scenario. And this has been going on for quite some time. This is nothing new. Now, Carrillo wants to send in special operations forces right away and simply disregard international law, while Senator Graham wants the U.S. to get tough on Mexico as Sniffy Joe and borders are VP Obama Harris. That's a joke, right? They continue to outright ignore the absolute crap show that is occurring on the southern border. Instead, they choose to focus on World War III in the Ukraine. Now, both Carrillo and Senator Graham want the drug cartels listed as terrorist organizations, which I completely agree with. Then it's only a matter of time that we can legally send in U.S. forces to deal with this out-of-control situation along with Mexico, of course, and eliminate these narco-terrorists or at least slow it down. And as we know, this is a situation where you cut the head off a snake and two more grow in its place, right? And it doesn't help that Mexico has a soft woke president as well at the moment because uh, just let Mexico take care of Mexico's problems. Well, the problem is, is that Mexico's problems have now become the United States problems. But until we gain control of our southern borders and get Americans to somehow stop consuming this garbage, Law enforcement is going to keep fighting an uphill battle. Meanwhile, China will continue to keep sending this synthetic fentanyl to Mexico and the Mexican terrorists will cut it with, you know, whatever poison they have on hand. And they'll gladly keep sending it into the U.S. and other parts of the world. And I personally think that anyone arrested for selling this poison in the United States should be prosecuted for murder and given the mandatory life sentence in prison. But yeah, I know. Uh, good luck with that one with the woke running the show. And uh, I don't think there's anybody in this world anymore that hasn't had someone they know, an acquaintance, a friend or someone who has died from fentanyl poisoning. And uh, it happens to everybody because, you know, the, the drug doesn't care who you are. And if you start consuming this garbage, you're taking the risk of just dying. It's just that simple. Now, with all that being said, Carrillo also wants Antifa to be named as a domestic terrorist group after their latest antics in Georgia last weekend. Now, the other factor that plays into this whole situation is the insatiable desire of Americans to consume this poison. And all it's doing is lining the pockets of these narco-terrorists. I've got to ask, how many more deaths do we need to see because of the scourge? It has been reported to date that there have been somewhere between 70 and 100,000 people who have died from fentanyl poisoning coming from Mexico and China, and Sniffy and Obama are doing nothing 
about it. So some politicians are going to try to do something about it. They're taking the ball and they're going to run with it. Because if we introduce legislation to make drug cartels foreign terrorist organizations under the U.S. law, then we can set the stage to use military force if necessary to protect America from being poisoned by these drugs coming in from Mexico. And I don't think this is just a sniffy problem. It's a continuation of a trend even when the Donald was present with more than 36,000 fentanyl-related deaths. But Sniffy has allowed it to reach epidemic levels with his lack of attention to the specific problem. And, you know, while I'm ranting about Sniffy and Obama, I, I want to play you a clip from someone who is less confrontational than I am about Sniffy administration, to a degree. This is a clip from last week's CPAC conference, and it came from a speech given by Louisiana Senator John N. Kennedy. And I, I got to tell you, this guy is my new hero. Check this out. Now listen to me carefully on this the truth is, I do not hate anyone. I do not hate anyone. I look for grace wherever I can find it. So I say this gently. The Biden administration sucks. You measure it any way you want. COVID, the economy, inflation, the national debt, the border, crime, cancel culture, treating parents like domestic terrorists, Afghanistan, our energy independence, now lost. My God. President Biden has been spectacularly awful. If you put President Biden in charge of the Sahara Desert, he would run out of sand. If the aliens landed in Washington, D.C. tomorrow and said, take me to your leader, it would be embarrassing. I think that pretty much says it all. And, uh, you know, Senator John N. Kennedy from Louisiana, he is one of my heroes because he's an old school politician. And, uh, you know, he just kind of tells it like it is. And even when you watch him talking during Senate confirmation hearings and things of that nature, he is always one of those guys that uh, kind of outthinks the, the people he doesn't agree with because he uses their own words to kind of point out the error of their ways, so to speak. But uh, anyway, you can listen to that entire speech online and uh, he pretty much said it all and I'm just going to leave it right there. Well, coming up in our next segment as we celebrate Women's History Month here in the Bear Cave, it's the Oyate Health Talk with Tammy Lowell and joining her this week from Animus Wellbeing is Chef Christy Link. So don't go away. You know, moving can be stressful. I know. I've moved 13 times in 20 years and I've lived in four different states. When it finally came time to move back to Colorado, Woodland Park and Taylor County were our target locations. But before I moved back home, I was looking for a real estate broker who understood and had experience with military families and knew the area well. I found Abode Real Estate and Joshua Dorsey. I called Josh right away and it only took 35 days to not only find our forever home, but to close and move into it. Josh understood exactly what we were looking for because he's a common sense person and knows a good deal from a bad one. 
You'll make every effort to make sure you get the home that you absolutely want and love. As your real estate advisor, Josh will focus on client satisfaction. His business is about service and he's not happy until you're happy. Whether it's finding you a home, finding the best loan, or helping you get the most out of selling your home, Josh is there to guide you. So if you're considering a real estate professional, give Josh a call today at 719-433-4773 or email him at joshua at csabode.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A at csabode.com. I'm confident that you will be completely satisfied. to the bear cave and as i mentioned in the past few weeks we have a new segment each month coming into the bear cave now and that is the oyate health talk with tammy lowell and tammy lowell is joined by animus well-being ceo and representative christy link ladies welcome into the bear cave thank you it's good to be here Thank you. Love to be here. Tammy, always glad to have you back. Thank you. Well, um, the reason I kind of invited Christy as well is because we didn't get a whole lot of questions that, like we asked for, which is which is okay. And I thought because we are celebrating International Women's Month, I thought what better way than to bring two of my favorite ladies into the bear cave and talk, uh, talk some health talks and some, some issues that we face each and every day here in the United States and probably worldwide as well. So I guess the first question I have, Tammy, is uh, we're kind of moving into the spring springtime now and uh, all these buds and blooms and all that stuff is going to start happening. We're going into the blooming season, so to speak. And uh, if you're like me and I have hay fever, what are some of the things that we can do to either help us? I don't know if it's preventive medicine or not, because I'm guessing that by the time you have hay fever, it's almost too late to start taking medicines. Am I off base on this? A little bit. So most of people's allergies actually comes is very environmental. So when I start looking at that, I mean, I even have people that are like, I moved to Colorado and I never had allergies until I hit Colorado. Well, it's because we are such a dry climate here. So with that, that one, A, takes into consideration. Two, your immunity. So boosting that immunity, I'm not going to say it once, twice. I'll probably say it 20 times on each one of these shows. Your immune system, your diet, how you live your life is a huge factor in anything. Allergies are your body's way of saying, hey, this ain't working for me. Okay. I try and put it in layman's terms. So there are preventative stuff you can do. You can start doing elderberry. I have a, a wonderful immune boost tincture that has elderberry, astragalus, echinacea, uh, maca root, which gives you all of your essential minerals. Um, bee pollen. A lot of people use honey to help build up your immune system and things like that. So getting out and actually, instead of staying in sometimes, I mean, unless you're a severe asthmatic or something that's going to trigger, get outside, start building up some of the tolerances because everybody comes here, we're dry and, you know, it messes with your sinuses, it messes with your lungs and it messes with all of that. So I really tell people hydrate, get out, see where you can start acclimating 
to your own environment. You know, I talk about different herbs, you know, use herbs that is from your environment because that also helps boost that immune system. They also work better just with your uh, body energetically. When we start getting sick or we get a tickle in our throat, the first thing we do is like, okay, got to go to the store and get echinacea right away and got to start eating elderberry. But if I'm hearing you correctly, this is something we should be taking I don't know if we should be taking that ahead of time or is that part of our diet? How does that all kind of work? I would absolutely say preventative is huge measures. Elderberry, echinaceas, astragalus is whatever is going to benefit you. Um, Like I said, I have my immune boost tincture has it all in there. I try to make things very simple for people. We're busy people. We've got a lot of things going on. And that one little drop in a tincture under the tongue once a day can be huge the minute all of the viruses hit or all of the allergies start coming in. I mean, we're not out of cold and flu season yet either. Not at all. You know, all my kids were, you know, they're all graduated, of course, but guaranteed at the beginning of the year of school and the end of school, kids will get sick and then they bring it home to the adults. Yeah. And wearing a mask is not going to prevent that. So uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there. No, no. Masks are not going to do you any good. (laughs) Don't even get me started. <laughs> that's that's why, it, yeah, that's that's why I quit wearing that kind of stuff. But uh, anyway, that's a subject for, for later on. But right. uh, I invited Christy in here, of course, because uh, she is a nutritional consultant as well with Animus Wellbeing, and, uh, which is going to come on as a title sponsor again next month. So I'm excited about that. But uh, what is it about the connection between food and herbs that uh, is so important? You talked about uh, preventive maintenance and this, you know, the things that we eat and, you know, not processed foods. And what are your thoughts on that, Christy? Well, Animus is really happy to be coming back. So it's been a little while. But I see a relationship with food as being and people as far as my understanding overall people do not feed their bodies appropriately. I've always viewed food as being edible medicine. And up here, we don't have access to a lot of the fresh fruits and vegetables I used to have when I lived in California. So it's a little more limited, but not impossible. So you have to take advantage of like our farmer's markets, what's in season, what's not in season. But a lot of it starts in the kitchen. And it really starts with my understanding as far as what people are eating, why they're eating it. And then there's seasonal changes. Our bodies are the demand for energy increases, of course, in the wintertime when we're the driest. Like Tammy knows, there's so many things we can do to help improve our health. And I think it's a a holistic approach. And I know I hate that word because everybody, it was a catch word. Agree. Everything was holistic. Well, of course it's holistic because it's not just about nutrition. It's not just about supplementation. It's about balance, like you were saying. Agree. Lifestyle, what we do, what our activity level is. And it's much more challenging living at a high altitude climate. You were talking about echinacea, elderberry, one of my absolute favorites. When I start feeling like I'm coming down sick, I jump on the the zinc, the vitamin C, and the elderberry. And nine times out of 10, I can beat it. I can stop it in its tracks. So Animus, yes, we're back. And I've wanted to meet Tammy for so long. I mean, finally, 
a sister who understands (laughs) this fabulous relationship. And there's so much good she does for our community in so many ways. Well, thank you, listeners, for not sending in any questions because this turned out okay. (laughs) No, I think this is perfect. And I am so honored to be here. And I have to agree with you 100%. You know, I am not a fan of that word holistic either. You know, it really is a balance. It's a balance of mind, body and spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, and people look at that and they think about that. And it's like, well, you know, your body, it's not just the herbs. It's not and herbs are plants. We eat plants. We eat all of that. It's all a balance. And if you can eat healthier and keep that balance, then the mind and the spirit also helps follow. So I totally, absolutely agree with that. You know, the chemicals, the chemicals that's in our foods is huge. Absolutely. I mean, they tear you down. You know, I know organics is expensive, but how much is an emergency room visit? You know, so think about that. You know, I mean, you got five, six thousand dollars to deal with cancer just to start out with, you know, oh, let's go in and we'll get a diagnosis. But what can you do preventative? You know, I mean, realistically, you may be saving a few bucks here and there and the convenience of driving through the drive through at Wendy's. But what are you doing to your body long term. And so I love having you as a sister. I love having this on board because between the two of us, we can do some really good stuff for the community. I think we can as well. (laughs) Absolutely. You you just brought up something too. It's just like, uh, I I see these long, long lines going to fast food places all the time. And we, and Tammy and I talked about this uh, the last time you were on. It's because it's convenient. We don't, we are not taking the time out to prepare decent meals for the family because we're, a lot of times we're not eating as a family unit anymore. Right. I've got to think that's got to be part of it. It's just easier to go get some processed chicken nuggets somewhere or go into a drive through and it's just simpler to do it that way. And we've become a society where we're just kind of, we're dumbing down what we're doing because it's just become convenient. I don't know how much of that is convenience and how much of it is people just not really knowing how to cook from scratch, how easy it really is. I can work with a, a client and basically show them what should be in their pantry most of the time so they can make something that's not only really good for their body but is very time sensitive. I mean, I can take somebody making an entire dinner, making an entire dinner from scratch start to finish in 45 minutes or less. And that's great. Yeah. And I agree with you. Convenience is is an okay word. I go more for complacency. I agree with you. Complacency. People have gotten complacent. They have gotten Mm -hmm. comfortable. You know, I mean, I don't really want to say lazy because you're out there busting your butt, trying to work and make money. But if you get complacent in the things, and that's what's happened. The parents have gotten complacent. So what do the children learn? You only learn what you live. So yeah, we have become a society of complacency. Yeah. So maybe next time I see one of those gigantic turkey legs at the ice festival I'll just sprinkle some <laughs> echinacea on it it'll be fine I'll be I'll be good <laughs> Okay, Dennis, you mentioned fast food. The line always that you see every day, fast food places, it's incredible to me. But also, if I go down to Walgreens, I watch how many cars are coming through the drive through at the pharmacy. Right. And I think, hmm, you know, I, I love Western medicine. It has its place. And I know if it hadn't been there, I wouldn't be here anymore. But also, when we do any type of testing, we are getting a glimpse or a picture of what's going on internally with that person at that time. 
And I think that there's times that we go in and they were under a lot of stress, our blood pressure's up, but because we're older, oh, well, you have, you're hypertensive. No, I'm actually not. Right now I am, but this too will change. I had a doctor try and put me on medicine for hypertension because I'd driven all the way across the valley and I was stressed out. <laughs> and I get in there instead of listening to me and say, hey, let me settle down for 20 minutes and get through this appointment, then take it at the end of the visit. He refused. And I thought, this is insane. I have never had high blood pressure in my entire life. But we put people on medicines, pharmaceutical medicines, and we never look to take them off. Right. And that's always what scares me. Was there a way or at some point that we could take them off of that medicine or there was a way that we could treat them more holistically or holistic? There's that word again. She but said it. I, I heard did. It. Sorry. I heard it. <laughs> but I tend to look at the person as a whole, not a disease process. And I know you do as well. Yes, absolutely. So there's stressors. They change. They compound. And sometimes if we can pull back long enough, our bodies can do some amazing things. Oh, absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. That's kind of what master herbalists and phytotherapists do like me. We don't want you on these herbs all the time. What we want is to use these plant medicines to help reset you to restore the homeostasis so your body can heal itself the way we're designed to do. But just like you, Food is a factor in that rebalance cycle. So it's not just these plant medicines. And we're trying really hard to work with the Western medicine field to be able to bridge that gap. You know, the cancer industry has been phenomenal. I have to admit, they are starting to have that awakening mm -hmm. and they understand that there is a balance. And I agree. Western medicine, I mean, I sure in the heck can't reset an arm, you know, but I can wrap it in comfrey and at least get uh, the swelling down and so that the ER doctors can have a good x-ray. Right. You know, I mean, it, there is a great complementary to both. I mean, I know that there are doctors and surgeons and things out there that have done some phenomenal things for people, but then you have your typical pill pusher, I call them. Okay. Yes. And that's, I think what you were talking about. It's like, okay, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times, you know, I'd spoke in the last uh, segment about my mother being an herbalist. I mean, I watched my mom as a kid have these doctors, you know, she had all kinds of issues. Oh, you're nuts. You're crazy. It's all in your head. It's all this. No, it wasn't. She had real issues going on. They couldn't figure it out. So that's why she turned to alternative medicines many, many years ago. Now on my father's side, of course, my people, we just knew it. You know, I mean, that's what it was. I mean, you know, the Indian theory of existence is every plant on or every disease, there's a plant on this earth to cure it. Yeah. Yes. Well, probably Progress, unfortunately, has kind of dumbed that up a little bit because we don't always have all of the plants or weeds or whatever you want to call it, the barks. It's gone because we've demolished it because of development. You know, so we're trying to bring all of that back around. But I absolutely agree with you. It's <laughs> it's a balance. It's that huge, huge balance. But those pill pushers out there, they're going to keep you on those meds. There's no money in cures. Well, COVID kind of proved that, didn't it? We have all these medicines that we're putting into our bodies. We don't even know what the hell it is. And uh, now, two years later, after COVID, from all these injections that people are taking, we're seeing the side effects. We're finally yeah. starting to see it. Not to mention, don't even get me started on Fauci yet, but uh, that, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that one for, for later on. because that Yeah, guy, that's a whole other segment I'm sure we could have both get us started on. <laughs> yeah, that guy, that guy needs to be in prison, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. uh, uh, a couple of questions I had for you. One was, when you see a new patient, 
entrepreneur or a new client that comes along? Is there a, like a questionnaire? What are the questions that you ask someone before you even start to treat them? Okay. So I do have, it's about an hour intake form. They can either fill it out themselves or usually they come in and just do an interview with me. But you know, it's not much different than what you're going to fill out kind of in an actual medical doctor's place, except for I go into a little bit more detail instead of name, date of birth. You know, I do get your physician's name that way. If I do need to send out, you know, a form to see any blood work or something like that, I I need that information. But I go into it a little bit deeper. I want to know, are you willing to try these things? Are you willing to change your diet? Are you willing to, you know, maybe take supplements and things like that? I need to know what you're willing to do because I can only open the door. You have to walk through it. And with herbs and anything natural takes more time. You know, you take a pill, you feel better, but we're masking the symptoms. We're not looking at the root cause. Herbalists and phytotherapists, we look at the picture as a whole. So we want to get down to the reasons why you're having the pain or why you're having the nasal drainage or the stomach issues or whatever your situation may be. You know, diabetes, all of these different diseases that everybody has, there is answers. But it starts, one, with you and making a commitment to yourself to be able to say, hey, you know what? I want to live differently. And then you work with people like like us and find that balance for yourself because it's going to be an individual thing. I'll tell you that right now. Everybody is different. But if you're willing to walk through that door, I just might have some answers for you. I am, you know, I can give you all kinds of recommendation, but really it falls back on you. So you're saying the uh, diet of a half a gallon of Jack Daniels and chicken nuggets is probably not the best way to go? No, I wouldn't think so. No. You know, no. <laughs> well, well. Good thing I don't do that anymore. Christy and I talked earlier and you had a story about a client that called you as far as what they should do for food and how to lose weight or gain weight. And it goes along with what Tammy was just saying. I actually had a client and it's the only client I have ever had to fire because I was hired to treat a five-year-old girl who was obese. And it really all stemmed not so much from the availability of food because that wasn't an issue. It was a housekeeper who was feeding the child and it was mostly an attention situation with this child. Two older siblings were pushed very hard to be high achievers and they were stressed out doing what she wanted them to do. But where the breakdown was happening with me, instead of calling me, she would email me. So if you're working in a kitchen, that's probably the last place you're going to find a chef and nutritional consultant is on the computer. I mean, there's time for it, but usually I'm in the kitchen. I'm working with my clients and helping them in that regard. But when I told her the child needs attention, it wasn't even the food factor. It was the fact that the child was using food to mask needing comfort that she wasn't getting. Yeah. So it was an emotional issue more than it was an actual eating disorder. Yes. And, you know, kids, there's a time when we all kind of, we fatten up a little bit and we become more active and it falls off. Right. But she didn't want to listen to what the problem really was, the root cause of it. So I 
had to excuse myself. And another client I had when he was referred to me by a dietitian, he was diabetic, hypertensive, extremely overweight, and loved his steak. Well, hey, he's earned it. He was a very high-level attorney in Los Angeles, and but he was willing to do the work. And that's really the bottom line. Are you willing to do the work? Absolutely. So I worked with him. He was one of my best clients for five years. He not only took the weight off the diabetes, he wasn't medicating for that anymore. And he was doing extremely well. I was so proud of him. And, you know, nature has a way, though. I mean, I ended up losing him to a brain tumor of all weird things. But the last five years of his life, he says, I have never felt this good. My energy's back. I'm doing really, really well. That's awesome. Yeah, but he was willing to jump in and meet me halfway. And the dietitian, it was a great symbiotic relationship. That's awesome. Well, and you know that you assisted in those last five years of him feeling good. So, you know, everything happens for a reason, lady. (laughs) So, you know, and I love those. I love those success stories when somebody's willing to take accountability and it really, really shows. It does. Yeah. Even though, you know, it didn't, the outcome may not have been exactly what anybody wanted, you know, been there, done that. I lost, I lost a a husband to a brain tumor, to brain cancer out of the middle of nowhere. So, I mean, it can hit anybody at any point in time. So that's another thing, you know, that's, that's another about the balance of the mind, body, spirit, you know, I'm willing to help anybody. Like I said, open the door, you got to walk through it. But with the questions that I usually ask either on the phone or in person and either the farmer's markets or the holistic fairs or whatever, I can usually tell by now if they're really committed. You can usually see it. You can see it in their eyes and energetically you can feel it. What do you tell skeptics? Because there's a lot of people who are very skeptical about herbs and things like that. Maybe not so much with nutrition because, you know, we've we've all been told since we were little kids, it's like you should eat right. You should do all these kinds of things. But then when you kind of get more to, to the adult stage, I guess, and you start looking for different avenues to help you with health, there's always those skeptics who go, oh, this herbs stuff is nonsense. And I was one of them, admittedly. So I used to watch my mother take all kinds of herbs and it's like, what is all this crap? And then uh, later on in life, when I met my wife, same kind of thing, but then I, I became a believer. But what do you say to those people that are, that are skeptical? Well, I've been dealing with skeptics since I was a young girl. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, so um, I usually can see them coming a mile away that, you know, I'm being a Native American woman. I have been basically judged. I was called crazy Indian witch on the mountain. Um, you know, wow. oh yeah, what all kinds honor. of stuff. Oh, that, I know. Oh, I, I took it. I'm like, thank you. you that, should, that, that should be a t-shirt. We could make I, some money. Right. I have been literally picked apart for all of my beliefs and all of my stuff since I was a, a young child. So basically I look and I'm like, you know what? Until you walk my path and you understand it, if you're not willing to try then don't judge me. I think those are people who don't realize what you actually do because you work with physicians. I mean, there are those that are out there that just, you know, they have the, and I think they're in it for the wrong reasons. But what impressed me about you is when I first met you is that you work with physicians, you combine science and your, your knowledge of herbal medicine. Right. Yeah. And I just started doing that, you know, working directly with physicians probably the last five years. And it has been a huge asset to me because I need to know if they're going to be having reactions to medications. I mean, if we're working together, I need to see that blood work. I need to know if I'm getting elevated levels in the kidneys or any type of different signs that could be not good. There's 
so many different plant medicines out there and they're just as powerful as the pharmaceuticals if not taken as directed or recommended. We're talking about a lot of the natural herbal remedies too if they're used in conjunction or alongside of pharmaceuticals. I'm sure that there are some very real side effects that could happen. So working with a doctor, it's amazing. Oh yeah, huge, huge. Um, One of my questions that Dennis had asked earlier is some of on your intake form. I think question number five is what medications are you on and what are your allergies? Because I need to know those things before I can recommend anything, especially if we're working with any type of major disease or things like that, because that's what I want to do. I want to get down to the underlying problem so that way we can get rid of all the inflammation from the pain or the edema from the um, the diabetes or, you know, the headaches that are coming up. All of those are all symptoms of the underlying cause. So if I can break all of that down and look at it as a whole, it makes a huge difference. But yeah, I, I can't stress enough why people get on the herbal bandwagon and that's what gives us that bad name because they're like, oh, well, it's natural. It's healthy. It ain't going to hurt me. Uh, not. (laughs) Okay. It's still a plant. Where do they think pharmaceuticals came from? I think a lot of people too, because well, herbs and supplements are not approved by the FDA. And back 20 years ago, even 30, a drug had to be tested for at least 10 years before it came to market as a pharmaceutical. But the interesting thing in the last 10 years, we've gotten around that Mm -hmm. because we can do a commercial and you see all these commercials. I don't even know what the heck they're trying to treat. Number one. Right. And number two, it's about a three-year process now. So we're basically using people as guinea pigs. Yeah. But because we put it on the television, well, hey, that's okay. Oh, yeah. Don't you believe everything on the Internet and TV? Oh, exactly. Well, the side effects are longer than the commercial. Oh, I mean, they're right. It's like, why is this commercial two and a half minutes long? Is because uh can cause death, diarrhea, oh, all, all kinds of things. My it's face like, is going to fall off. I mean, it's become. Why the hell would I want to take that? They think that it absolves them of any type of liability. Right. So people, I mean, I understood back in the 80s, Eli Lilly, we used to have most of the pharmaceutical companies in the United States. Well, towards the end of the 80s, we started selling them off. So the last time I checked, Eli Lilly was in Ireland or based in Ireland. I may not be there anymore, but we no longer own our pharmaceutical companies either. No. Well, pharmaceutical companies are not about a cure. No. They are to They're mask. Evil. They're yes. very evil. So let's move on to a, another topic. I, I feel so, I feel like a wee little man right now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in here with this. Uh, hey, it's Woman's Month. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Sorry. But it yeah. is. We don't have Men's Month. Finally. We? Yeah, I agree. Well, Tammy, <laughs> what's coming up for you next? I know you have some things going on this weekend. And is there a product that uh, we want to highlight this month? Well, really, that immune boost. You know, my immune boost is amazing. Everybody who took it avoided COVID. And I, I, I had it, but I tweaked it when COVID came out. 
I went ahead and threw that maca root in there because don't eat right. And at least you're going to get all your essential minerals so I can at least sneak it in and get it, get it, (laughs) get people at least work in that. What is a maca root? Maca root actually um, has been used for thousands of years. That is a, uh, it comes from Asia and it, they call it a superfood. Yes, they do. They call it a superfood. A lot of bodybuilders use it because when they're working out, they lose all of those electrolytes and essential minerals through sweating and everything. So a lot of maca root is inside of, uh, you know, their protein shakes and they put things like that in there. But it does. I mean, being a superfood, it's like, okay, well, why not add this right now? Because I've got everything to boost the immunity, you know, elderberry and all of that, the zinc, the D3s, the vitamin Cs, all of that is huge to stabilize and prevention, prevention, prevention. So I go back to being a dispatcher and I love this quote because Gordon Graham used to be one of our trainers. I mean, he's an amazing man, but he always talked about, um, in all of his stuff. I mean, he's and he's a hoot to go to trainings in, but predictable is preventable. And he used to say that all the time, but we can utilize that in our everyday life. If you can predict something, you can probably prevent it. So, you know, there's certain things that we can do where you don't have to worry about it. I mean, they quit giving us antibiotics years ago for viruses because they didn't work. Okay. But we do have stuff to boost the immune system and that's antiviral, antifungal, antibacterial. So, you know, I mean, I take my immune boost with oregano oil at every show, which you would ask about a show. I'm actually going to be in Loveland this weekend at the Spring Holistic Fair. So if anybody wants to stop in and see me, ask me questions, that would be awesome. I will be there uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, and then after that, the following weekend, I will be in Denver at the Body, Mind, Spirit Expo. And that's a, a three-day event, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the following one. So great opportunities to be able to come up, come see me and hand me your questions. I, If I don't know it, I can probably refer you or I'll search it and find out. I mean, I've been given some real Lulus sometimes and it's like, <laughs> okay, I got this and it may take me a couple of days, but I can probably navigate through it and find out what my might be able to assist you. I've got just about anything and everything that can help anybody with, and even children. I think it's so interesting uh, when I sit here and, and listen and talk to you that um, all this stuff is kind of preventable. You know, I mean, you just have to take responsibility for your own life. Absolutely. And do some research. There is no magic pill, even though uh, I go back to the government again, because they'll tell you that. And we always look for this magic cure and don't think about what the side effects are going to be later on. And all the cures are around us. Yeah. They're they're here. Like I said, once again, the Indian theory of existence is there is a plant for every disease on this earth to cure it. That actually was a a Cheyenne quote back in the 1800s. Final thoughts from Christy? Oh, it's great to be back. Um, There's so much work to be done and so many people out there that we can help. Absolutely. It was such an honor. (laughs) Oh, it's been amazing. I can't thank you enough. And I really look forward to working with you. I think (sighs) it's going to be awesome. I do too. I think this is so amazing. And, you know, all the women out there, all you, you wonderful ladies that are strong, keep going. Remember, it's our month. <laughs> and it's our time. You know, we, we talk yeah. about people accepting accountability for their actions. And I see great change and energy moving in that area. Thank you, Dennis. For you wee little men folk, I mean, <laughs> I, I just started a revolution down here in the Bear Cave, so uh, look out. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, thank you, Tammy, for coming in. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again next month. This has been such an honor, Dennis. Thank you so much. I look forward 
forward to coming in every time. And please, everybody, bring your questions. I think this was amazing. I do too. Thank you. We said that at the same time, so we're in sync here. Christy Link from Animus Wellbeing and the Oyate Health Talk with Tammy Lowell. We'll see you again next month. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you, Dennis. Look forward to it. All right. When we come back, it is story time with Michelle, followed by the big news with our field producer, Trevor Phipps. So don't go away. Are you tired of gambling? Or maybe gambling just isn't your thing. Then you need to come visit the historic Butte Theater, located in the heart of Cripple Creek, Colorado. Enjoy our classic melodramas, Shakespeare of the West, musicals, comedies, and our community's favorite Christmas show. The Butte is fun for the whole family. So get your tickets today at thebuttetheater.com and come join in our fun. Cave, and right now it's story time with Michelle on the Bear Cave Hotline. Hey, Michelle, are you uh, over your ice festival hangover yet? I think so. I'm just trying to get used to all the wind. Wind needs to go away. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, that wind was really crazy. Sunday was uh, really bad. I was watching those uh, trees bend over. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. I know, I know. And it's not even, I mean, it's March, but it's not even really spring yet. So <laughs> if it brings in some snow, yep, I'm talking snow. We need some snow, even though it's almost, well, it is baseball season in Woodland Park, but yeah, we need some moisture. For sure. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, we'll see what she's got in plan for us, Mother Nature. Yeah, well, whatever it is, I'm sure it's going to be uh, not to anybody's liking because uh, that's just kind of the <laughs> right? way we are these days, you know? Just, it's like, right? Nobody's happy. Yeah, we bitch about everything. It just uh, you know, keeps us all happy, I guess. But uh, right. anyway, <laughs> more importantly, as we continue to celebrate Women's History Month, our guest today, we had uh, Christy Link from Animus Wellbeing and we had Tammy Lowell in today. Today and it was just kind of uh, it just kind of worked out that way. They were both available and they came in. We had a nice conversation. So I think we should just continue it. So what do we have for story time today? Well, like I said, I kind of want to stick with Colorado women. So this week I picked a woman by the name of Martha Ann Dart Maxwell. Well, that's a mouthful. It is. It is. So Martha was an American naturalist, artist, and taxidermist. She helped found modern taxidermy. Martha developed her own way of preserving the animals by molding them in plaster and then covering these molds with the animal skins, which she had preserved. She later used iron frames over which to stretch the skins rather than sewing the skins together and stuffing them, as most other taxidermists did. She also insisted that replica backgrounds portraying the animals' natural habitat were used. Martha's pioneering diorama displays are said to have influenced major figures in taxidermy history who entered the field later, otherwise known as men taxidermists. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she did it the right way is what you're trying to tell me here. Yes. Yeah, we just shoot stuff and just like, yeah, just give me some fishing line. Yeah, that looks good. <laughs> right? Wow. So Martha was actually born in Pennsylvania in 1831. It was her grandmother, Abigail Sanford who first instilled the love of nature in Martha by taking her for long walks in the woods. In 1851, Martha left for Oberlin College in Ohio with plans to become a teacher. She had to drop out in 1852 due to her family being unable to afford her tuition. She returned to her parents, who were then living in Wisconsin. She married James Dart in 1854 and had a daughter in 1857. So none of this taxidermy, it's a really weird situation that's going to come up that, that actually gets her interested in this. Yeah, she had figured this stuff out in the early 1800s. That's what kind of amazes yes, me. exactly. So the Maxwell family was hit with financial ruin in the panic of 1857. And as a result of this, Martha and James joined the Colorado Gold Rush of 1860. They left their daughter Mabel behind in the care of her maternal grandparents. While James was pursuing mining, Martha took in washing, mending, and baked pies to earn her own income. She made her own investments and bought an interest in a boarding house, some mining claims, and she purchased a one-room log cabin on the plains of East Denver. Isn't it funny how the women make this money and they figure out how to invest it? Yeah, so they can give it to their husbands to drink it all away. <laughs> Unfortunately, that happened quite often. Yeah, well, it was the 1800s, so, you know. Right. <laughs> so, in 1861, the boarding house burned down, leaving Martha with no way to earn income and no place for the family to live. The plan was to move to the cabin that Martha had bought, but when they got there, they found that a claim jumper had moved into the cabin. They took the squatter to court and the decision came down in favor of the Maxwells, but the German man living in the cabin refused to move out. Martha waited for the man to leave the cabin on an errand. She removed the door from the frame and she entered the cabin and found amongst the man's possessions perfectly preserved stuffed birds and animals. Hmm. Why can't we remove doors these days? We, we, I know. we, we can't even get rid of squatters these days in this country. Right? I thought, dang, that's really smart. <laughs> I'm really starting to like Martha a lot. I know. So the claim jumper was a taxidermist by training and in 1862 Martha returned to Wisconsin, where she studied taxidermy taught by a local man. And in 1868, James persuaded her to return to Colorado. So upon Martha's return to Colorado, she began building a collection of native birds and animals. She made trips into the Rockies, where she gathered chipmunks and various species of squirrels and birds. And by the fall of 1868, Martha had prepared almost 100 specimens, ranging from chicks to hawks and hummingbirds to eagles. She was asked to display her work at the Colorado Agricultural Society exhibition. Attendees particularly admired that Martha created an entire natural habitat for each species, making it appear as if they were still alive. In mid-1874, she opened her Rocky Mountain Museum in Boulder, Colorado, to display her specimens for both education and entertainment. A central part of the museum was Martha's exhibits of animals in their natural habitats, including a buffalo, birds, a bear, and a mountain lion. Now, mind you, she harvested all these animals herself. Wait a minute. So if you're a naturalist, aren't you supposed to, like, take care of the birds and the bees and all that kind of stuff instead of going out and, I don't know killing them and stuffing them yes and no but think about it how do you learn and study species the naturalist also does that correct now oh, there you go the voice of reason again okay <laughs> okay i'll shut up now <laughs> so hoping to find more support in a larger city martha moved her museum to denver a little more than a year later 
However, she was unable to make the venture profitable. Altogether, she collected many birds and animals, including a black-footed ferret, which had been described by John Audubon, but never seen by scientists, and an owl never before discovered and later named Mrs. Maxwell's owl in her honor by ornithologist Robert Ridgway of the Smithsonian Institute. See, that's where the naturalist comes in. Yeah, she's uh, no small potatoes here. No, she's not. So in 1876, Martha was asked to produce an exhibit for the Philadelphia Centennial Exhibition, which was the first official World's Fair. She created a complex habitat diorama that included taxidermy animals that she had both hunted and mounted, running water, and some live prairie dogs. <laughs> I kind of have to chuckle at that. That wow, prairie dogs or something. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> Let's carry the bubonic plague across the country. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and they all stopped in Denver and just rooted themselves there. You know, in, in places. Right? Hundreds <laughs> exactly. of those things. So it is speculated that this display was the first of its kind, and the display was one of the most popular at the internationally attended event and was heavily covered by the press. In the following years of the centennial, Martha Maxwell continued to struggle financially, and in 1879, she moved to rooms in the Williamsburg section of Brooklyn, New York, and in 1880, she opened a beach house slash museum in Rockaway Beach, offering bathing as well as a display of her collection. Maxwell died in Rockaway Beach, Queens, New York on 31st of May, 1881 of an ovarian tumor. So Martha, this is where this all comes around, I think it's funny, was actually a devout vegetarian and was often received negative comments regarding the harvesting and preserving of the animals. Can I laugh now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you're starving and stuff like that, you're already killing all these specimens, so to speak. It's like, well, yeah, maybe there's a buffalo in your future or something. <laughs> Yeah, it was really ironic. You know, here she was, this devout vegetarian, but but she felt more of the pursuit of, like you said, naturalists, learning about new species, preserving them. I mean, look at the animals that we know that are gone. Right. But we have taxidermy to actually physically see these animals that are no longer existing. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> I agree. I, you know, obviously, being the satirical person that I am, I think it was all done with good intent for sure. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine her doing that these days? Oh, yeah. No. I mean, it still happens, obviously. Right. But, but uh, you know. <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, Martha, can you go out there and kill us a few animals and make a display? I mean, the, right? <laughs> the vegans would be freaking out right now if, if, yeah, if you did would. that. Yeah, they would. Finally, among her many accomplishments, she is credited with being the first woman field naturalist to obtain and prepare her own specimens, and she was inducted into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame in 1985. You know, so far you're two for two, right? Because uh, yeah, <laughs> these are badasses. I agree. I they, agree. These are frontier women that were hard as nails. I mean, come yeah. on. I mean, you know, and in Colorado history, especially here, like in Colorado Springs, you know about certain women that, you know, their names come up again and again and again. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. But these ladies were just outside the box completely, you know, with Clara Brown last week. Yeah. A, a black woman in reconstruction, making a fortune, losing a fortune, and yet, you know, helping all these other people. And then here's Martha killing and stuffing animals. <laughs> 
you know, she had young boys who were collecting the specimens, killing them and collecting brain yeah. to her. And later on, she's like, uh-uh, I want to do this myself. Yeah. And later. she actually perfected uh, bullet holes in the taxidermy. That was another thing that was mentioned. A lot of men who looked at her work said, oh, this is all fake because there's no bullet holes. Well, she perfected a method to covering the bullet holes so you didn't see that in her work. Wow. Yeah. I just like her. I think she's wicked cool. <laughs> no, I think she's awesome. I mean, uh, we hold women in high regard these days who are the Kardashians. And, you know, oh, I know. We make millionaires out of these uh, kind of horrible people. And uh, we yes. put them on pedestals and the real people and the real women who actually made a contribution to the West and society in general, we just kind of forget about them. But uh, yeah, oh, what a great story. Well, thanks. She was fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go out there and start looking for some squirrels right now. But uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know one thing, speaking of uh, Women's History Month, I know we just had International Women's Day and we had an event up in Cripple Creek, right? Yeah, yeah. So the Newmont Gold Corp Corporation, the mining right across the street from the Heritage Center, did a purple blast like they did last year. So basically what they do, they drill holes on their uh, blast pad and they stuff it full of purple chalk. And then as a commemoration for International Women's Day, they blow it and it blows up purple chalk and it is environmentally safe, a.k.a. And so, <laughs> you gotta mention that. And it was a great opportunity to get up there, look at it, and good times, good times. And I appreciate the fact that the mining industry does something like this to celebrate women, especially since women are so underrepresented in the mining industry. No, I agree. I was up there last year. I, uh, I had to miss it this year because I was doing some editing and stuff like that. But uh, it was a, it was definitely a good time. And, and uh, if you've never seen it before, maybe next year you can catch it. It's a pretty cool event. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Definitely get out there. I did miss it because I had a doctor's appointment. So we're both kind of out this year, but next year, I'm sure they'll do it again. And you can view it right from the Heritage Center parking lot. And it's like right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But uh, anything else going on this week or is, uh, are we back to uh, business as usual? We're kind of back to business as usual. It's downtime still. Uh, spring break's coming up. We'll start seeing some folks heading up the hill during spring break. And so looking forward to that. But otherwise, it's just kind of, whoo, Take a breath after Ice Fest. Yeah. I, you know, I can't say enough about the Ice Festival. It's such a great thing. And uh, I hope this is the precursor to what's going to be happening in Cripple Creek in the area with events coming on. Because like we talked about last week, we've got Cruise Above the Clouds is back again. And, and uh, all these big events are finally starting to come back. So if yeah. you haven't seen or participated, we encourage you to get out there and see these things. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. And, you know, just to know that the Ice Festival is already, you know, we had an after action meeting and we're already looking towards next year how we can make it better next year it's going to be not ostrich legs we're going to have dinosaur legs to eat so it's going to take up uh, you'll need like 10 or 12 smokers you know because each leg is going to take one side of the grill it's just everybody is talking about the turkey legs man i tell you what they're probably going to carve something out of those bones because they were ginormous oh my god they were. that's what makes it fun it was yeah. all good good fun no i agree all right, Michelle. Well, it sounds like there's plenty of things going on and uh, certainly things to look forward to. And uh, we remind everybody it's almost baseball time. So uh, yeah. yeah, I say yeah. that every week because I'm getting excited for some warm weather finally. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Just knowing that we're going to get one more dump or two, you know. Or two for yeah. sure. Yep. 
I'm okay with that. Me too. <laughs> All right, Michelle. Well, thanks for that uh, awesome story again. And uh, we'll catch up to you next week. Sounds good. Everybody stay safe, stay warm. Thanks, Michelle. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye now. That was my producing partner, Michelle Roselle, calling in on the Bear Cave Hotline today. But up next on the Bear Cave Hotline, it's our field producer, Trevor Phipps, with the big news. Trevor, what's happening this week? Staying busy. Seems there's plenty of crazy stuff going on lately, but nothing real big. Oh boy, is there ever. But uh, don't get me started on that whole legislature thing, because I'm just going to blow a gasket again like I did last week. (laughs) It seems like these days we're kind of rehashing the same thing over and over again, but it just isn't going away. And I think you may be talking about the school board. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest news. It's been all over the news stations recently was there was a decision that was made last week by the administration of the Woodland Park School District. And it prompted a series of protests. And it seems like it was on the news pretty much every day last week. Yeah. TV news. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, so I guess timeline events, from what I understand, is sometime last Tuesday afternoon, um, the interim superintendent, Ken Witt, announced that they would be, starting next school year, they would be moving sixth graders from the middle school to the elementary school. So elementary school would be pre-kindergarten through sixth, middle school would be seventh and eighth, and then the high school is nine through 12. He announced it Tuesday afternoon, and the day after he announced it, that Wednesday, the school district issued a letter to all the parents saying that guest teachers would be covering most of the classes and they kind of had all, all hands on deck it sounded like to cover classroom and they were saying well if you want to leave your student at home then you can just do stay at home learning today and then it came out later that it was most likely a planned stick out protest so there is 25 to 30 teachers that all called out sick that day after hearing that 6th graders wouldn't be coming to the middle school next year. Wow they're taking a page out of LAPD just having a blue flu. Yeah. So later on that day, Wednesday afternoon, the, the school district issued a press release pretty much condemning the teacher's actions, saying that they were disrupting the learning environment of the students. And they backed up their decision by bringing up oh, a couple things like kids at that age aren't quite ready for the social environment of middle school. So it's better to keep them in elementary school because elementary school is more of a focus on your basics of teaching. The idea is that they'll get math and science and that they'll get that down a little bit better before they get thrown into the social atmosphere of the middle school and then they also said that since they'll be the oldest kids in the school it'll open up leadership opportunities for the sixth graders and wow that's really reaching (laughs) yeah the next day ken witt was supposed to meet with all the on thursday morning supposed to meet with all the middle school staff and wednesday afternoon there's a bunch of people that have a website now called support wp schools and they also have a facebook group called concerned parents of tower county they put on there they wanted everybody to go to the school that morning starting at 7 a.m to support the teachers basically that was the idea that was to show the teachers that they supported them so that morning, there is, from accounts that I heard, there was about 100 people that showed up yeah. and were holding signs. Um, some of them were supporting teachers. Some of them were protesting Ken Witt and his decision. And that's kind of what made the news. And there was a couple of the board members who had statements on the news saying that uh, it shouldn't have came as a surprise because they've been talking about restructuring the schools for over a year now. And that it didn't get talked about in board meetings because it was a decision that was made by the administration. And kind of the other side, the parents the people who were there at the protest. From what I was understanding, the, the issue that the sixth graders are going back to elementary schools is not the big issue. The bigger issue is that 
staff, the teachers, the parents, the students, nobody really was really consulted or asked for their input before the decision was made. And there was a survey that came out in November that surveyed hundreds of staff members and parents in the community. And it asked if sixth grade should stay at the middle school or go back to the elementary school. And the majority of the surveys that came back said that they thought sixth graders should stay at the middle school. The other side of it is that they're kind of seeing it as um, the school district catering more to Merritt Academy because they're trying to make more room for Merritt Academy since it's growing in enrollment. And so I think that's part of it is some of it see it as they're kind of jeopardizing the public schools to cater to the charter school, the Merritt Academy. It kind of comes off that way because uh, I think the issue that I have, and I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm just a, you know, kind of a casual observer to all this stuff, but I see all the designated trolls on social media that come out and they just, uh, you know, they go after us all the time as well because we make, you know, certain sarcastic comments or whatever. But the thing is, is that uh, there's this consistency issue. If they were more consistent about what they're doing, just like when they hired uh, Mr. Witt and everybody else, if they were more consistent about the decision-making process, I think maybe that would, uh, you know, not bring so much bad attention or bad focus on them. The other thing is too, is like, you know, I don't see, honestly, and I'm going to get in trouble for this, I'm sure. I don't see that it's a big deal because when I went to school about, I don't know, a thousand years ago, you know, it was uh, kindergarten through grade six and then you went to junior high school and, you know, whatever. But uh, man, it's become this heated issue and it doesn't seem like anybody can get it together or talk like adults anymore. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you in some respects because there's still pl- other places that have their elementary schools go to sixth grade. But my, my biggest yeah. issue with it personally is the fact that, you know, being a sports guy, I think it was last year they just changed the policy to allow sixth graders to play in sports, which they have never done before. So to me, that was a good move as far as the future of high school sports go and everything to start yeah, these yeah. kids at a younger age. So you can play football, basketball, all that starting in six instead of seven. Well, they just made that decision last year. So now they're basically taking that away. So they just gave it to them and now they're taking it away because they'll be in elementary school now. So they won't be at the middle school to be a part of those sports. See, that's why you're on this segment, man, because it's like you always bring me back to the sports aspect of it. I went, uh, oh, yeah, that does make sense now that you're talking about it. <laughs> that's why we have you here there, Trevor. You're the research yeah. guy. I do the big news. But uh, it's become such a divisive subject in Woodland Park and, and in Teller County in general that, uh, you know, I don't think they're doing themselves any favors either side. They've got to come together at some point and just hash it out. I don't know how you do that. But when you start making news headlines and, uh, you know, parents are pissed off, school board is you know, changing their mind every other two minutes or whatever they do. It just doesn't bode well for the community. And uh, we always say the same thing. It's like, look, it's all about the kids. People are forgetting about the kids, even though they use the kids as a subject to say, well, what about... It's all about the adults. The adults are the ones who are fighting. I don't see kids out there protesting. Well, maybe they are protesting. I don't know, because their parents made them go. Yeah, I, I had heard, but I never got it confirmed. But I heard last Friday that the high school students actually did some sort of their own stick-out protest. There was some student protest on Friday is what I heard. I'm getting a headache talking about these guys again. This is like <laughs> the umpteenth time. <laughs> but, you know, it, it can't be avoided. It's a, it's a hot topic here in Taylor County. But, well, we're going to leave all that 
school board drama and he said, she said stuff behind because uh, one thing that we can all agree on, at least most of us can agree on, is we love sports. So what's happening in Teller County with sports? Oh, well, we're finally over that awkward period where we were in between the two sports seasons starting. Um, last weekend, winter sports wrapped up. The last kind of hoorah for winter sports was the state championship tournament for basketball. And the good news was this year that both uh, boys and the girls team qualified for state. I'm not exactly sure. They changed how basketball playoffs work recently. I'm not exactly sure because both of them won a few games in the district playoffs and lost a few games in the district playoffs. But anyways, they both the girls team and the boys team qualified for state, which I don't know if it's the first time both teams have ever qualified, but it's definitely the first in a really long time. The last time the boys basketball team qualified for the state championships was 2008. And for the girls, last time they were in the state championship playoffs was in the early 2000s. Wow. So it's been almost 20 years. I couldn't get an exact date on that. All that means is that it was awesome season. Yeah. So it's great that they both did good and played the state. The boys, unfortunately, the boys lost in their first tournament against Roaring Fork. I don't I don't remember the exact score, but it was a decent score, so they lost during the first match and were eliminated. But the girls, actually, they beat Ignacio during the first round by a single point, 50 to 49. Oh, way to go, ladies, hanging in there. And that was last Friday night, and then they, they were able to advance to the second game, and they played the second game Saturday morning against Platte Valley, and they lost that one pretty significantly. Kelly, so neither team made it real far as far as the state championship tournament goes, but, you know, they made it. And this year, it seems like it's one of the most, at least I've been reporting on them for the last five. This school year so far, there's been more teams and more individual athletes that have been successful and made the state than I ever remember in the last five years. This Saturday, there is a girls soccer has their first home match at the football field, and then drum more plays. <laughs> You're going to say the B word, aren't you? Yes, sir. We got baseball coming up. I'm so excited. We were both excited when we heard earlier this week that they were actually starting at home because usually the weather is not conducive and it seems like the baseball team usually doesn't end up starting their season at home. They play down the pass for a few games before the weather is good enough to come up here, but it looks as if the schedule is saying that they start with a double header this Saturday. Wow. And we looked at the forecast and you showed me and we're supposed to have a high of 53 degrees. So hopefully it'll be a good day for us to be out there and watch some baseball. Dude, I am checking it by the hour right now because I'm so there because uh, we're both going to be there. And uh, Woodland Park, we want you guys to join us out there at the baseball game because that just means that it's even closer to uh, seeing some Rocky Mountain Vibes baseball as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm excited about the baseball season this year. and It's, it's kind of cool that high school actually starts before the other ones do. That just gets us pumped up even more to go see uh, some professional sports. But uh, everybody, come on out and support the Panthers this weekend. It's a doubleheader, so there's no excuse. There's going to be awesome weather, and it's yeah, I say it again, it's baseball time. Yeah. Nothing else, Trevor. I'm going to see you on Saturday for that baseball game. Okay, that sounds like a plan. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again very soon. All right, you have a good one. Okay, you too. Take care. Bye now. All right. That was Trevor Phipps on the Bear Cave Hotline, and when we come back, it's news of the weird, and find out who meets Dozer on the Bear Pile this week. We'll be right back.
Are you having a hard time seeing out of those dirty Colorado windows? Or maybe it's just time to finally clean those sidewalks, garages, and those stains on services around your home and office. Well, now there's a solution, and it's Peak Washing LLC. Veteran-owned and operated, Peak Washing LLC is your mobile window cleaning and pressure washing solution. Their services range from residential jobs to commercial projects using a safe and environmentally friendly approach. Peak Washing LLC can also clean and sanitize heavy construction equipment. There's virtually no job that Peak Washing can't handle. So call Greg at 719-651-7518 or find them on their Facebook page under Peak Washing LLC. That's Peak Washing LLC, your solution to that dirty job. back to the bear cave i'm your host dennis zarrell and once again it is time for you know what news of the weird now this is one i had to actually vet for myself because it seems so unbelievable but neurosurgeon charlie to 65 appeared before australia's Healthcare complaints commission in february to defend himself against charges relating to a brain tumor surgery he performed on a woman okay brain surgeon woman surgery got it he said i took out too much i took out the wrong bit of frontal lobe Tio said i actually didn't know it at the time but i'm learning from this case it wasn't negligence maybe some ignorance on my behalf now Tio goes on to say that one of the complaints against him had been hoodwinked and coerced into filing charges by Tio's enemies i did the wrong thing was it my intention absolutely not Okay, wait a minute. Now, you got my attention at uh, I took out too much and I took out the wrong part in the frontal lobe. You are a neurosurgeon, brain surgeon, right? Aren't you supposed to be not ignorant at that point of actually operating on someone's dome? It's another case of the dog ate my homework kind of thing, right? Haven't you heard that uh, ignorance is no excuse? No, I wouldn't let this guy operate on orange. And with those ignorant comments, Dr. Mengele, you may have just gotten an invitation to meet Dozer on the bear pile. And of course, by now, Cubs, you know that each week we nominate a person, place, and or thing to be tossed on the bear pile to be eaten by the bears. This week, the person, place, and or thing to be tossed on the bear pile to be eaten by the bears is... And this is a no-brainer. That bastard Steven Seagal for upping his commie game, giving Vlad the Impaler a tongue bath in order to get his friendship plaque. You know, I, I still personally think that he and Wally Gator should have lunch together. That may not work out so well for Fat Bastard, but then again, no one really cares. The nominations this week for performing a triple Lindy onto the bear pile are number one. President Sniffy Joe and Vice President Obama Harris and the rest of the Sniffy clones for continuing to ignore the United States in favor of Ukraine. You know, I have an idea. Maybe Obama should actually take that trip to the southern border. It may prevent World War III, but uh, I don't know. You never know. Number two, the Woodland Park School Board for continuing to play their version of Patriot Games. 
Look, Ken, you're not Jack Ryan, so how about letting the good people of the district actually know what you're up to every now and then? All these secret handshakes. I'm pretty sure if Tom Clancy were alive today, he would not approve. And number three, neurosurgeon Charlie Teo for going young Frankenstein on his patient, which eventually led to her death. Now, usually this is not the kind of tragedy I make fun of, but um, hey, you know me. So, Charlie, we wish you long life and suffering in one of those famous prison farms down under. Then again, maybe they can just dump him onto the Great Barrier Reef. You know, the orcas are really hungry about this time of year. Well, once again, that's it for me this week. I would like to thank our sponsors, Abode Real Estate, The Butte Theater, and Peak Washing LLC for joining us again this week. I want to thank my guest, Tammy Lowell, for coming into the Bear Cave with the Oyate Herbal Health Talk. And a special thanks to our guest, Chef Christy Link from Animus Wellbeing, for also joining us this week. And uh, wow, what a great discussion it was. Thanks to my producing partner, Michelle Roselle, for bringing us another great story time. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm really excited to see what happens next week. And as always, thanks to our field producer, Trevor Phipps, for bringing us the big news. If you have an event coming up or you want to sponsor the show, you can just reach out to our Facebook page, This Week in the Bear Cave, or our Instagram page by the same name. You know this stuff. And you can send your hate mails and or comments to thisweekinthebearcave at gmail.com. You can access the show on Spotify, Anchor by Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, RadioPublic.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And by now, you've probably figured out that you can also access the show through our Facebook page and just follow the link if you prefer to do that. Our not-so-celebrity guest next week is going to be Mexican presidential candidate El Chapo Gutman. He is going to share his recipe for fentanyl enchiladas. In fact, he's sending a couple of hundred over into the United States. Yep, it's easy. All you have to do is just drive them over the border there, Senior Gutman. And besides, Obama said it was okay. Rupert Rupee Murdoch was supposed to come into the bear cave this week, but we are told that he went to a pillow and slipper sale instead. Oh, well, maybe next time, Rupee. Until next week, be well and thanks for listening. Sweet dreams, Sam and Max. This Week in the Bear Cave is produced by Animus Productions, all rights reserved in perpetuity.